We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Roto All right, welcome to the week four Roto Viz Fantasy Football Podcast Fantasy Projection Show. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave Cabin. To the owners here at Rotoviz, and we have really had fun engaging with the live viewing audience, and we hope that it's translating well to podcast format as well. Just a reminder: this show is all about week four. We're going to go through the game level uh, game level similarity projections, one of our our great week to week decision tools that we have on Rotoviz.com to look at what our players. Um, will do at certain percentile levels. What's the low end look like? What's the average? What's a high end look like for each of these players based off of what similar players did against similar defenses, uh, using data to help drive start sit decisions, waiver wire decisions, and more. Uh, Dave, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. Just got the first look at the uh, run for this week. As always, you know, I get to be a little selfish, look through, see where some of my guys are coming out, look for them in the top 12s of each yeah. position. So that's always a fun exercise. Take a quick look through and make sure that, uh, you know, nothing too weird is going on and then look for any of the surprises, which is always fun to do. Very excited to get into this week's action. Oh, boy. And you're not the only one, man. We're, we've already got the comments starting. Bradley Valeski, what's up, boys? Excited for the show. Hey, we're excited too, man. And we're feeling like a couple kings tonight. I've actually got a, a fresh pour here of King's Single Barrel Select Whiskey to accompany the episode. This is 143 proof. Wow. So we should have some hot takes by the end of the episode, Dave. Um, let's share the screen and just remind the viewing public here how to find this data. So go to rotaviz.com. You're going to go to your tools. And this data can all be found in the game level similarity projections. Uh, that is an in-season tool. It's called weekly GLSP projections if you are yes. in the tool dropdown. And then if you're on desktop or Mac um, in the like second level menu bar, it's called weekly GLSP. There you go. You can see it in red here on the screen. And uh, thanks for the description for the listeners, Dave. We'll go ahead and click on that bad boy. It's going to bring up the full um, data set. I'm zoomed way in. It's not going to look quite this obnoxious, but it translates way better to a live stream if I zoom in here. Uh, it's going to look something like this, and it's going to pull up a focus player. Um, as we've done the last couple of weeks, we're going to go through each position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and highlight some of the guys that stand out with really high ceilings and shockingly low floors and then we're going to take some start sit questions along the way at each position and then we'll do a little bit of a flurry at the flex position at the end of the episode so go ahead and get those questions in to the chat we'll be sure to read those in case people listening on the podcast tomorrow have a similar question about one of their players too and curtis josh taylor says cheers 
<laughs> Car Ramrod says, "What's up, Rotoviz?" I just have got, to. Dave? I have to call attention to uh, the player that I set as the default quarterback in the tool this week. Oh, who who is that, Dave? Oh, it's got to be Jalen oh. Hurts, right? It's it's, it's Jalen Hurts. We're diving right in, man. Yeah. It's nuts, man. You know, Hurt Hurts is really uh, just taking that next step forward. I mean, his average game level similarity projection against the Jags this week twenty one point one fantasy points. His seventy fifth percentile uh, target here twenty six point eight PPR. And if you add up his instances and in his top fifty sim. Uh, Sims, Dave, we've got 26% greater than 20 and 32% greater than 52 for a shockingly high 58% of Sims above uh, the 20 PPR mark. And you can see the distributions there, Dave. Anything notable about this matchup for you that's driving the Hertz uh, projection? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the, the first thing that I just want to call it is how nuts it is that in every bucket there, he is in increasing but a lot of this has to do with the fact that you're probably going to get uh maybe four to six extra points rushing uh even in the average outcome for him they are going over 250 probably with around two touchdowns passing expects him to be pretty accurate um you look at what quarterbacks like hurts have done against jacksonville in recent games this isn't that surprising and then the streak that hurts has been on as well uh is one that's going to get him matched in there with a lot of very high scoring quarterbacks. So, you know, just more of the same for Hertz at this point, which is just a fantasy stud. Yeah. It's kind of interesting looking here at the 2022 strength of schedule. I'm now over on the NFL stat explorer, Jalen Hurts matchup analysis tab, which gives us everything we need to know about his matchup with the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars this weekend. He's just leaving, you know, a wake of destruction, uh, behind him, you, you, know, you know, he's affecting uh, the yeah, friendliness he, he of these passing is. defenses. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so like you're, people are going to be targeting, you know, passing attacks against Detroit, against Washington because of what Hertz did against them uh, in recent weeks. So, you know, that's always interesting to, to check on. But one thing that I like to do after I take a look at the GLSP, uh, the projections for a player especially for these really high-end guys to figure out, hey, is this this an all-in DFS situation on this player? Just look at who the specific guys were in the five most recent matchups. Now, we do have three weeks worth of data, so more of the data in the last five analysis is from 2022 than 2021, um, which I think is important. And you can see you know, what the Jaguars have allowed. Um, 313 passing yards to Carson Wentz. 195 to Matt Ryan and 297 to Justin Herbert. Uh, we have 30.85 PPR. We had just an atrocious showing by Matt Ryan of less than four uh, fantasy points driven by all those interceptions that occurred in that uh, snoozer of a game in week two. And then Herbert with a pretty pedestrian performance for, you know, by his standards anyway, uh, of course, playing through the, the rib injury. Um, looking into how those points have been scored against that defense, I think is also an interesting exercise. And you can find this in the breakdown in the NFL stat explorer as well for any player that you want to pull up and you can see it all heat mapped out here. Uh, I like to scroll over and just see what's happened. You know, when a, a good rushing quarterback has played the last time that they faced, you know, a quarterback with wheels was late in 2020, 2021. Zach Wilson put up 91 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown on this defense. Of course, we've had some personnel changes, but I do always find it interesting when we're looking at a Konami code, you know, quarterback, <laughs> what have other similar, similar players done against those defenses? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, that's, that's what the outlook for Hertz is like. It looks like we've already got a uh, question coming in here, Curtis, about uh, trusting Wentz after last week. I think this looks like a good one to get to here. Uh, so we take a step back, not even looking at this week's GLSP. And the question is, would you trust Carson Wentz after last week? Need a quarterback and a guillotine. And the waiver is Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, Tannehill, Winston. Yeah, I think I would trust Wentz. I think you're probably still looking at the quarterback that has the highest upside. These are all guys that are going to have games here and there where they fall flat. I don't think Garoppolo did anything to inspire confidence after last game. Uh, and if we actually go in and look at the uh, quarterbacks this week, you do see Garoppolo a couple steps ahead of Wentz. 
but I think with the body of work that we've seen so far, there's more reason to be interested in going at Wentz. He and Garoppolo project fairly similarly. Curtis, do you see this any different? Not really. Uh, it looks like they have similar 50th and 75th percentile projections, but Wentz actually about a half uh, point higher from a floor perspective versus yep. Garoppolo. And then just looking at the, the sample, um, you know, I, I tend to agree with that. You know, when Wentz has been good, you know, he's been really good. And, uh, you know, we can even put him head to head with Garoppolo since they rank most highly. That's another cool function of the tool. So let's just see uh, what their distributions look like and get a sense of, um, get a sense of that for, you know, this viewer really make it obvious for him. Yep. Um, so, the uh, the distribution here with Garoppolo, 10% of the 50 closest players against those types of defenses did score uh, fewer than 10 PPR, whereas only 3% of Carson Wentz's sample uh, scored fewer than 10 PPR. So, the, you know, those kind of disaster weeks, about three times uh, the number of instances for, for Jimmy G. Right. To me, in a, in a guillotine-type situation, that would be enough to put me on Wentz. Yeah, I think that really sums it up. Good way of looking at that there. Um, as I was looking through uh, the results for this week, there's two names that I want to mention here, Curtis, because we see Marcus Mariota popping up fairly high in the GLSP for a couple of weeks now, and he's continued to be somebody that delivers through the lens of this is a player that people are either grabbing off of the waiver wire or they're subbing in off their bench where they need help. So I think it's notable what he's been able to achieve. And it looks like that could continue. I mean, this week, even you see that uh, 24% of his 50 matches went for 25 or more points. So he's been able to string together, uh, you know, a compelling campaign as a streamer at this point. The other name, too, of a player that is easy to overlook is Geno Smith. But again, if you are in leagues where there's not a lot of options available for you, he's another player that has been doing okay from that perspective. And the GLSP continues to put into the range of being one of the better streamers. Now, he does not have a tremendous amount of upside. But if you look at his distribution this week, it's very concentrated between 10 to 20 Lots of times when you're looking at streamers, you know, there's more than that 10% falling underneath the 10% buckets uh, where he's currently at. Yeah, Gino, I guess Gino's been better than I expected him uh, to be. And, you know, I, he has supported Lockett and Metcalf to slightly better than pedestrian numbers the last couple of weeks. Um, the team now having Rashad Penny and uh, Ken Walker available to kind of cycle through in the backfield, looking for the special recipe that's going to work for the team. Um, I think is notable. Uh, Gino, you could do worse than Gino. Um, I want to go back to the quarterback tab and see if there's anybody else that maybe is in that same range, but just has a higher ceiling. Gino coming in at quarterback 14 in terms of his average output. Um, that's the same, you know, I guess for, uh, to, to draw attention to it is the same range as Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins this week. Of course, we can ignore Dak Pre Prescott. The tool does not know um, that he is not playing. Trevor Lawrence, you know, Tua, who we'll have to monitor a little bit. And then, uh, you know, we get into some names that I think are, are far less interesting. I think I would be pretty interested in Trevor Lawrence um, with that game potentially being a shootout against Philly. Now, Philly's defense has been a little stingy, um, but, I mean, Lawrence is pacing for 38 passing touchdowns this season, and if they do get into a trailing script, I do, I, you know, I think he, that he can um, get his way there in garbage time, if not even in just keeping the game close. I mean, obviously, they had a great showing against LAC in week three, uh, Dave. So Trevor Lawrence, you know, if you've got him on your roster, you're not considering getting cute and starting Gino over him just because the tool has Gino above him. Um, but I think that is illustrative. You know, if, if Gino or uh, Jimmy G or any of these quarterbacks that are showing up in that top 14, top 12 range are available as streamers, you can start them with relative uh, confidence. Yeah. Don crypto says Lawrence looking legit. He really does, man. Absolutely. Um, you know, in stark in stark contrast to Justin Fields, uh, Lawrence actually is making the improvement in year two with a different coaching staff that seems to know what's happening. Fun fact behind the scenes, how the sausage is made. 
yesterday, I sent Dave uh, a note. Hey, where's Justin Fields in the GLSP at? He, <laughs> Dave, tell him what you told me because this is this is, I think, uh, highly indicative of what's happening in Chicago this year. Yeah. So the way we have set uh, the way things are set up. <laughs> You only want to include quarterbacks that have a certain level of passing attempts per game so that you don't have players getting matched with quarterbacks that aren't starters generally. Well, uh, you know, one thing that we weren't anticipating while putting that together is you would have started like Justin Fields that's throwing about four passes a game. So he was actually getting filtered out of the tool. Uh, so I'm going to have to manually add him back in this week. <laughs> yes, he does not qualify as a quarterback. That is correct. <laughs> Yeah, Joe, he, he doesn't. I mean, we're basically looking at him. I mean, he's like Mohamed Sanu. You know, he's getting a, a passing attempt or two per game. <laughs> that's that's how we're looking at, at fields right now. Um, last call for QB start sits. I'm going to give you guys about 30 seconds as I kind of peruse these QB twos. If you've got any head-to-head quarterback dilemmas on a team where you know maybe you don't have an elite guy, put them in here. We'll display their distributions on the, on the screen here and, and try to answer your question for you. Some notables that are scoring pretty low in the in the app this week, Dave. Kyler Murray, a low end QB two, um, borderline QB three uh, in the tool this week. He's down there with Jacoby Brissett. Um, there's not a lot of love for Tom Brady uh, or Ryan Tannehill in the uh, in the app either this week. So those are some situations where you know if you do have another another quarterback at your disposal, you know, maybe you're, maybe you do consider, you know, getting cute. This is, these are very low floor, low ceiling situations, actually at the 75th percentile, both Kyler and Tom Brady under 20 points um, in the, the ceiling area of their distributions and down under 12 points with their floor. Uh, so not a lot of love there. Joe says, does DJ Moore qualify as a wide receiver more on more? Uh, here, here in a minute. I think we can move on to running back. Not, not yeah. many star sit questions here uh, at the at the quarterback uh, position. Dave, why don't you take us through the high end of the the running backs, and then we can take some questions on this position yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. So the first player that we see this week, Najee Harris, looking like one of the best running back plays of the week, which I think would be great for people that invested heavily into Harris. This year, he has a distribution that centers between 10 and 15. Not surprising for running backs. That's pretty common. Uh, 10% of his matches went more than 25 points. Also had 18% going between um, 20 or 15 to 20. So you're looking at a performance against the Jets with around maybe 78 yards, 0.4 rushing touchdowns, maybe around three receptions, another 20 yards as a receiver. Behind him, you have Leonard Fournette scoring highly. Uh, James Conner, of course, there's still some questions about what his health would look like. A name that you might not be expecting, uh, Devin Singletary, very high this week. As I was mentioning to Curtis before we started recording, Singletary has scored well a couple weeks running, put in a solid performance with a touchdown uh, last week. Then you see David Montgomery scoring high. I think that you can read into that, that uh, Herbert should be viewed as a player that should have a very nice week. Other names that might be interesting to see you have James Robinson in the top six. Then you got your guys like Henry McCaffrey, Eckler Taylor's in there Uh, and Rashad Penny Curtis, your boy scoring very highly. Uh, And I want to take a quick look. So actually, why don't you on the screen pop over to the uh, NFL player stat explorers? Henry, the cat messes up my camera here. (laughs) You want to dial in on on Penny? Yeah. You're one to focus on. Okay. Yeah. So we're back. If you're joining us late, we are now hopping over the road of his NFL stat explorer where you can see everything about a player's matchup. We've got the strength of schedule from a fantasy perspective. We've got this week's matchup loaded in here for Seattle. We can see that they're five point or four and a half point road dogs to Detroit. You can see what Penny has done in games like this um, using our game splits app. We actually have um, some, some feeder graphs in here that show uh, performance based on Vegas point spread and game total analysis. And you can actually adjust that by, you know, however many recent games you want to. I didn't think for Penny being available so infrequently, let's just set it to his last 17 games instead of his last 32. 
and you can see right on the fly, um, you know, how that changes the plots going down and seeing what recent backs have done against Detroit, Dave, to your point, this has been a pretty interesting defense to target for fantasy purposes all season long in terms of PPR surrendered to the position. No team, no opposing squad has finished worse than eighth and running back PPR points scored against uh, the Detroit Lions in, in a given week this season. Uh, uh, fifth, seventh, and eighth are the weekly ranks for the position uh, opposing squads. And then ex- from an expected points perspective, in two of the three weeks, we had top five expected points at that position against the defense, uh, the outlier being Minnesota. Um, of course, they you know outperformed due to touchdowns uh, in week three, and they still ended up getting there. Fantasy points expectation over expectation across the past five weeks dating back to 2021, Detroit has been the weakest defense for fantasy purposes in terms of allowing efficiency to the running back position. Some blow up weeks sprinkled in here too. Penny Dave, I think this is what you're looking at. Week 17, the hero week at the end of the fantasy season uh, last year, Rashad Penny goes 25 carries, 170 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns and a pair of receptions for 15 receiving yards. That's the beauty of this tool. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think it's easy to understand why Penny would be scoring highly in the GLSP this week. Oh my God. Henry, the cat is now pressing. He's now DJ Henry. Yeah. He's now hitting the sound effects. Oh my God, this cat. All right. Uh, and I think that is- could be a segment. It could just <laughs> yeah, be could. Henry chooses the sound effect. <laughs> oh man. Uh, All right. So other places. Oh, go ahead, Curtis. Yeah. I wanted to zoom in on Najee here a little bit because, you know, he's been pretty disappointing, you know, year to date. And so just kind of seeing what's behind in terms of recent analysis anyway, um, maybe what's behind, you know, and driving some of this uh, for him, you know, the, the jets in each of the last two weeks, you know, they, fin- they, they face Cleveland and they fin- uh, face Cincinnati. So you've got the Chubb hunt combination and you've got the mix in P Ryan uh, combination, which actually was uh, pretty productive against the jets uh, defense last week. And, you know, first in PPR surrendered 12th and PPR surrendered over the last two weeks. And, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit misleading. This is where the, the, the people level analysis layer comes in in week one against Baltimore, you know, the jets allowed the 30th most points to running back position. Of course, that's because Lamar Jackson did all the rushing against this squad. So if we were to layer in the quarterbacks there, it would look equally gross. Uh, They did allow three rushing touchdowns to Cleveland. And then they allowed the receiving touchdown to the position against the Bengals. You know, Najee's a player that gets his, you know, volume uh, myriad ways, you know, so we're just looking for him to, to, to be pretty healthy. You know, this is a game where Pittsburgh is favored at home. Uh, it's, you know, there's a potential that Zach Wilson makes his debut in the 2022 NFL season this week. You know, the Steelers, you know, obviously trying to probably slow this game down, limit the total number of possessions that Mitch Trubisky can make mistakes. And so I can get behind Najee having his best week of the season this year. I don't know if I see him as this week's fantasy RB1 like the GLSP app does. But the fact that it's pointing to him as the RB1 and not something like the RB18, I think directionally, you know, we can agree is pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Now, one name that uh, I wanted to call attention to here, uh, you have Ezekiel Elliott getting back into uh, RB2 rankings in the GLSP, a spot that he has not necessarily been a fixture, uh, you know, heading from last season in to this season so he's a name that you might feel a little bit better about also uh, you know the Cowboys offense operating a little bit better than maybe some would have thought last night with Cooper Rush actually stringing together a fairly nice game (laughs) now we did get a question about J.K. Dobbins from a GLSP perspective it has him as the RB30 uh, coming in with around 11 PPR points now of course there's some context there that it wouldn't know about. I agree. It did look like they were being cautious with him. I guess the question here for you about him being a sit Oof. versus the bills would depend on what the rest of your team looks like. Uh, I will say this though, across the teams that I have, I don't think that he's going to be playing on maybe more than like 25 to 30% of them. Curtis, do you have any different read on that 
And like I said, some of this depends on context, probably. <clears throat> no, no, I don't. And and I switched over here to the the NFL stat explore to see what's been happening specifically this season. I mean, the Bills have been a death knell for opposing uh, running backs. You know, they've been boat racing most teams that they've played, and you know, opposing offenses have been you know forced into a passing uh, game script against them pretty early. And that passing has not typically been in the form of checkdowns to to running backs. Now, you could argue that that's a function of, you know, scheme uh, for the teams that they've played, you know, with Los Angeles, you know, checking down to Henderson when you can check down to Cooper Cup and get all of that yak. You know, that makes sense. Tennessee obviously doesn't have a history of throwing to Derrick Henry in with Miami. You know, they were really um, forcing, you know, the ball deep and trying to, uh, you know, play very aggressive against Buffalo rather than checking down to Edmonds. So do I think that the Ravens are going to be the team to break that streak uh, based off of how Lamar Jackson plays? Definitely not. Um, so I tend to agree with the app that, you know, Dobbins might be another week away. You know, I think in week five, potentially it will be the week that we want to get back to, to using Dobbins. He's going to be facing uh, the Bengals that week in a, a divisional game where, you know, the Ravens have a lot of familiarity uh, but also the Bengals have a lot of familiarity with how to play against Lamar Jackson. So perhaps they'll have a little bit more of a balanced attack that week. Good question uh, from Carl Ramrod there. We've also got a question about Joe Mixon this week and rest of season. Josh traded Khalil Herbert and Melvin Gordon for him in PPR redraft. Oh man, I love that trade. Yeah. I love that trade, man. This is This is exactly how to win your redraft league, okay? So Mixon gets rested a little bit. I love it, man. I love it. Mixon gets rested a little bit uh, toward the end of the game in week three. You know, so we see, you know, Piran Vulture, uh, the receiving touchdown. You know, you have Herbert breaking out in a big way, but the team is already saying that David Montgomery is a little bit more day-to-day versus the initial reports where it was going to be potentially a week-to-week situation. So I don't even think Monty's necessarily going to, you know, going to sit down this week. And if Monty doesn't sit down this week, Herbert's definitely more of like a, should I, could I, would I flex discussion versus an automatic RB2 starter. And Melvin Gordon's basically unplayable right now. Uh, You know, the Broncos offense sucks and, you know, he has a far less valuable uh, role in terms of uh, upside versus Javante Williams. He is getting a little bit of the receiving work there, but it just hasn't been enough to, to string together productive fantasy performances. Mixon, I still think, is a very easy RB1 rest of season. I expect him to finish as a mid-RB1. That's how I drafted him before the year. I haven't seen anything that would lead me to believe that he won't finish that way by the end of the season. And if he stays healthy, you know, based off of the opportunities given in that offense, he's probably going to be in that like top five overall running back situation, to be honest, Dave. Yeah, GLSP really likes him this week. Um, and I think even just, you know, not going micro here and thinking about this week, I think in general, even if that trade for whatever reason, and I think it will doesn't work out for you. I still think that's a great example of the type of trade that you make in a redraft league that has a huge Mm -hmm. impact on your team and really positions it to go throughout the entire course of the season and come away with a championship. Yeah, Mick Mixon, uh, also, I'm just going over here showing some of the other ways yep. that you can analyze that question. You know, when you think about rest of the season, it's not like he's got, you know, a schedule in the near term or toward the end of the year that would would be, you know, problematic. You see the Los Angeles Rams with the absolute uh, gauntlet of fantasy defenses that they have to play, with, play against uh, for the running back position rest of season. But, you know, Cincinnati's not in a situation like that at all. I mean, Mixon's the clear one. Um, it's not even a committee. You know, Piran's purely a change of pace guy. Chris Evans hasn't really knocked out any sort of dependable role. And Cincinnati's got a very average remaining strength of schedule. They just have a couple tough matchups sprinkled in here or there, most notably Tampa Bay uh, toward the probably the wild card round of your fantasy playoffs. But even then, Mixon's just not a player that you're ever going to sit with the role that he has in the Cincinnati offense and their ability to blow up, you know, any given week. A couple other comments about running backs before we start getting over to the wide receiver position. Joe says Eckler is Portuguese for regrets. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Uh, You know, the team is trying to excuse away his poor performances as well. 
Um, that was an interesting press conference to, to watch. Joe also says, uh, any thoughts on the future of the KC running back uh, situation? Will it always be muddled? Can Rojo be the guy? I'll let you feel this one first, Dave. I think that it's always going to be muddled to a certain degree. Um, and maybe this is a hill that I've been on too long, but I'm sticking on it that I think that Clyde Edwards lair. And at this point, I think he's outplaying what you'd expect from him for the whole season. But I think that he's remains the most interesting player there because I think that he's going to get the crack and continue to get the crack at the most interesting opportunities. So as I'm looking at, I still think it's him followed by McKinnon. I don't think that we see Rojo getting into the mix, uh, but I don't think we're ever going to have a situation where there's a clear defined RB one in that backfield. Uh, But again, I think I give that lean to CEH. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm seeing it, too. I'm over here looking at the player usage app and just looking at the the trends from a market share and a snap share perspective. You can see here, you know, CEH has maintained uh, opportunity market share at the position. You know, he's very clearly uh, the RB1 in that backfield with uh, McKinnon very clearly the number two. I am possibly the team would opt to go with a hot hand if, if one of them had a blow up week. Um, I, I think that the main thing that I would take away from the Kansas city backfield is that with the lack of emergence of a true target, like a dependable wide receiver target and, and Travis Kelsey looking like the only, you know, bankable passing game asset, you know, perhaps they will lean on the backfield a little bit more uh, in the passing game moving forward. And that would potentially be exciting for both of them. I could see, you know, if the team starts targeting the backs 10 to 12 times a game or something like that and using them creatively, you know, perhaps both of them could be startable from a weekly perspective. And then you can look at here at the weekly snap percentage graphs and just see what's happening there. Uh, both McKinnon and, and Edward Zelaya are sharing about equal snaps, but, you know, Edward Zelaya having the more opportunistic role there. He's Josh also says, at, he yeah. ranks 13th in expected points per game too. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. So, what are you going to do? I mean, that's hard to, that's hard to scoff at. Yeah. I'll flip over here to the NFL stat explorer just for one last look at, at CEH. And then we've got another question. Um, this is going to be our last call for running back questions. So if you have any head to heads that you want us to take a look at that are specifically running back versus running back, drop those in the chat. I uh, appreciate all these questions. Let's look at CEH and what he's been doing you know, year to date, he's eighth in yards per carry, uh, 36 in total opportunities uh, because he's 40th in rushing attempts, but he has 14th in, in targets at the running back position, second in receiving yards uh, at the running back position. I would not have thought that. Um, and fourth in total TDs. Um, he's actually, uh, he's RB3 from yep. a PPR perspective, but that's that's really more of a symptom of running back being way grosser than anyone hoped yeah. it would be this year. You know, the 53 PPR is nothing certainly to write home about. Um, but I think, you know, 
let's look at this. You know, we're in the weekly stat explorer. You know, we've got 22, 15, 14 PPR. Those are the weekly, uh, you know, point outputs for CEH. That's nothing to scoff at. No, it, it definitely isn't. So, you know, You're like happy I, about it. Yes. Like I said, you know, I, I'm not sure that this continues going as glowingly this season as it, as it does for him. But when I'm looking at that backfield, he's the player I'm most interested in. Yeah, for sure. Okay. It looks like no other questions uh, running back versus running back. So let's go back over to the wide receiver position. And the headliner, as always, is Cooper Cup, but he looks really juicy this week. Okay, this is unprecedented. (laughs) So those of you that are viewing this in video format might be able to see this. Those of you at home won't. But 47% of his matches, Cooper Cup that is, went for more than 25 points. This is so unprecedented that when I set the y-axis on this graph... I thought that 40% would have me covered because I would never see a player going over that. That is not the case. Nearly half of Cooper Cup's matches this week went for more than 25 Mm. points. His 75th percentile match, Curtis, was at 31.6. This is setting up for Cooper Cup to have the monster of all monsters against the 49ers this weekend. Yeah, so we're not going to sit him for Mac Hollins um, or Devontae <laughs> Smith. Devontae Smith after week three, Cooper Cup's going to be just fine. This is what's what's equally nuts to me about this distribution. As I mean, as impressive as it is that nearly fifty percent of his matches, you know, scored greater than twenty five points. Zero of his matches scored fewer than ten PPR. You know, it, it, that's to me that is so impressive. Like in in that top fifty, I mean. There's not even any situations where, you know, player you know, played a couple snaps and registered a game played and then didn't finish the game and scored zero points. Like right. we don't even have anything like that. Like just these are just automatic set your clock to a producer showing up in his 50 matches. It's, you know, really, really cool. Let's go to the all players view here and see who else is showing up. A lot of, uh, you know, familiar faces, but, you know, it might be surprising to see Michael Thomas, Sneaking in there as a mid to low end wide receiver one, Russell Gage uh, at wide receiver 11 uh, this week, Drake London, the rookie, and Garrett Wilson, another rookie at wide receiver 12 and 13. There's enough in the sample here to start getting excited about what these high end rookies are going to do. Yeah. Two weeks running for both of them. That is nuts, and that is the type of thing, as we talked about last week, that really points towards a lot of continued success for these guys looking forward. Yeah, I mean, just to get into the dynasty angle of this a a little bit, you you couldn't be more excited after drafting Drake London or Garrett Wilson in, in 2022. I mean, especially Wilson. I mean, London, I don't know if it's fair to say he was the consensus 102 but he was certainly a consensus, you know, top three guy. Wilson was going, you know, kind of anywhere from 103 even down to like, you know, 106, 17. And man, if you went that direction, you're really excited. Could we see a little bit of a, a change in tendency in that offense with with the conversion from Joe Flacco over to Zach Wilson? I think we could. Um, so we'll have to monitor that. But, you know, talents, talents, talent, and Garrett Wilson certainly looks apart. So I'm not going to be freaking out from a dynasty perspective if it takes him a couple of weeks to get going with with Zach Wilson. Amari Cooper rounding out the top 15. Man, he really was pretty exciting in week three with Brissett. You know, on that short Thursday night, uh, that short week, the Thursday night game that feels like it was already a month ago against Pittsburgh. Cleveland starting to really dial in the passing attack. Um, in some ways, a little bit similar to Seattle, where it's really focused on just, you know, two primary guys, even though Brissett is not a player you're probably excited about for fantasy. It's looking like he might be able to support Amari Cooper plus one other receiver in a given week. Sometimes that might be Kareem Hunt. Sometimes it might be David Njoku. Sometimes it might be Donovan Peoples-Jones or later this season, it might be David Bell, but Cooper really was featured and he just, I mean, he actually like looked awesome. He looked healthy. He looks spry. He was getting a lot of separation. So that was pretty exciting uh, for me as a Browns fan. Let's get into these wide receiver two, Dave, uh, this range. Anybody popping for you here in this uh, portion of the sample? Yeah, well, I think we got to call out uh, Greg Dorch, which remains interesting. You also see Jacoby Myers 
and uh, Devontae Parker getting in there. Now, Myers was out in uh, the week three game, but we got to see Parker kind of step up and take a larger role in that offense. Of course, there is the Mac Jones element, and we'll have to see if things settle out. If Brian Hoyer comes in, I'm not exactly sure what to expect for New England, and you might have to write these off. But I think those are two names worth considering. Um, yeah, I think uh, the, the other players that I wanted to... Hi- oh, actually, sorry. Tyler Lockett, I think it's worth noting, too, that we see him coming in around wide receiver 18 this week. If you have not adjusted, we talked about Geno Smith being all right earlier. Uh, and that has actually allowed Tyler Lockett to do the things that he needs to do to be able to land in this range right now. If you were to take a mm-hmm. quick look at his game logs, you'll see that though he started off just four targets in week one, he was at 11 in back to back weeks, two weeks with nine receptions, went over 100 yards in week two. As a result of that, the GLSP is expecting that Lockett sees around eight targets, six receptions, 77 yards with a uh, chance at a touchdown with about uh, 0.5 expected touchdowns. So he's a player that I wanted to highlight. And if we go a little bit further, Curtis, into the GLSP rankings at wide receiver this week, we see Zay Jones falling firmly into wide receiver three range. And we also see Josh Palmer, another player that's been a popular waiver wire ad getting into the mix right around guys like Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin and Tyler Boyd. So there are options that you might turn to that you perhaps weren't expecting to be, uh, you know, possibilities for your lineup this week. Yeah, those are all great names in the wide receiver three range. I wanted to to dial into Lockett a little bit, and we can look at Metcalf uh, too in the Seattle offense. I think that's an interesting passing attack to highlight here from a start sit perspective because you know I've been I have tons of both of those guys in in, in dynasty, not so much in redraft. Uh, I just wasn't attacking that offense very much, save uh, Penny and, and Walker, but. You know, you've got to get yourself to a point where you feel pretty comfortable starting, you know, both of these players in Detroit is certainly a situation where you're really going to want to probably uh, start your wide receivers against them, um, you know, right now. You know, when you look at what's been happening this season, you know, they allowed 155 receiving yards, 10 receptions to A.J. Brown back in week one. Washington put up really impressive numbers. Of course, that was the big, the really big week for Carson Wentz, you know, leading the way was Curtis Samuel with a line of seven, seven, uh, seven for 78 yards and a touchdown in nearly 23 PPR. And then KJ Osborne, I mean, team wide receiver three for Minnesota, you know, after uh, Detroit seemed, you know, hell bent on stopping Justin Jefferson at all costs. You know, it was just, you know, one of the other guys uh, finding his way to production and, and Osborne being the, the beneficiary of that for 573 in a touchdown, when you look at what that defense has surrendered uh, all in all, you know, four receiving touchdowns over the last two weeks, at least 150 receiving yards allowed to the position in each of the three weeks, this fantasy season and a lot of air yards. And, you know, over the last two weeks, uh, they surrendered the fourth most air yards to wide receivers back in week two and the 12th most air yards to wide receivers in week three, Seattle has talked about, you know, taking the, uh, taking the cuffs off of Geno Smith a little bit. Now that we're in week four, you know, the team has uh, outperformed expectations this year. And they're, you know, you're hearing all the beats say it's time to trust Geno Pete giving some of that mantra too. Pete's not a guy that, you know, we're able to trust a lot, but you know, again, Metcalf and Lockett have kind of been getting there uh, limping there to fantasy production year to date. I think it'll be interesting to see what Detroit does in terms of, you know, trying to stop, Metcalf or Lockett, but I could certainly see one of them having a pretty healthy uh, production this week. Now we do have some questions starting to come in. Do I start Gabe Davis or Chris Olave this week? Rashad Wilson. Let's go back and see what the GLSP tool says, and then we can see if we agree. Dave, um, man, yeah, let's yeah, put that's, those that's into, a tough let's put one. Let's a comparison here because that's a that's a fun one. Uh, it's possible. Okay, yeah, there's Davis. All right, and then uh, Olave. So if we take a quick look at this distribution here, um, Curtis, I'm act- I was actually looking on your screen. I'm having trouble reading it, so you can you can run with this one. Zoom in here. 
Um, so we've, yeah, we've got uh, Gabriel Davis with a 14.3 average PPR uh, in his top 50 matches. Chris Olave with just 10.7. What I will note from the master player list in the tool this week is we saw both Michael Thomas uh, and Jarvis Landry slotting inside the top 30 at the position. So the tool does like somebody for New Orleans to produce a lot this week. And, you know, with there being three different guys who have done it, um, you know, I think that that is notable. Olave has certainly had the most valuable targets uh, it, and has been, you know, really the featured weapon of the offense. So, you know, kind of weighing that, you know, let's get into the specific matchups for each of these players this week and see if we can, you know, find anything telling uh, about, you know, what they're going to be facing. Uh, we're going to go back over here to the NFL stat explorer and uh, take a look at Gabe Davis. You know, I think with Davis, the green assault in week three is that he probably came back too quickly. Um, you know, he was questionable all week and then all and you know, trending towards maybe even being a game time decision. And then, you know, he ends up playing, um, doing his job for the team. You know, he's playing Baltimore, man. He's playing Baltimore. And this is like a start all your dudes against yes. Baltimore at the position situation. The secondary is just allowing everybody to run wild. Um, and, you know, I would certainly expect Baltimore to score a lot of points, which means that, you know, Buffalo is going to be trying to keep up, you know, or vice versa. Either way, this game, I think, shapes up to be a shootout. It's it's really hard to imagine sitting any high-end wide receiver against the Ravens defense. We can look at what Olave's got, but I doubt it. the matchup is this big. And so when you also take into account what the GLSP is telling us, um, I would probably trend towards starting Gabe Davis. Uh, you know, we've had a couple guys stand out. Um, no real big earth-shattering performances against Minnesota uh, so far this year. You know, you had Dobbs uh, pacing the the Packers versus uh, this defense in, in week one just for 8.8 PPR leading the team. And then each of the last two weeks, uh, opposing offenses have had a wide receiver get to the 15 to 16 PPR range, but no real blow up performances. And the Vikings have only allowed one receiving touchdown to the position this year, even though it's also a defense that's, you know, allowing a lot of receiving yards and a lot of receptions. The fact that we haven't seen uh, those receiving touchdowns or those blow ups and the fact that this game has a lower total, um, you know, that's all stuff that, you know, directionally puts me onto Davis. Do you agree, Dave? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think okay. that obviously the matchup reasons you outlined, uh, but even if I remove GLSP everything from there, I think with what we've seen from Olave, yeah, it's been great at this point. Air yards are looking good. Uh, looks like it could be a good situation for the, him there. I still think that Gabe Davis, the touchdown scoring ability that's going to be there for him on a week to week basis, blow up spots for the Bills. I'm going with him until we start to see something that changes him. You know, that changes the picture in a meaningful way. All right, Stephen Drake says, would you pick up Romeo Dobbs and drop uh, Jahan Dotson or Josh Palmer? Yeah, I think so. If let's I, just let's just rank the three. Let's yeah. just rank the three. All right, you want me to rank them first? Yeah. So I'm probably going to go in a fashion here that people don't want to hear, and that's going to be the less popular opinion. I think I would go Dotson, Dobbs, then Palmer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the same. Okay. Um, and that's just coming down to, you know, overall talent level, uh, because I don't think there's a clear winner from an opportunity perspective in Dotson versus Dobbs, you know, the, the, uh, commanders, I think will ultimately pass the ball more between now and the end of the season than the Packers will, uh, Dave and I are both famous Alan Lazard apologists and, you know, I think that he is going to be the wide receiver to own for the balance of the season in Green Bay, although it could, you know, end up in a situation where Dobbs is the, you know, either the clear cut wide receiver two or maybe the one B to Lazard's one A. Dotson's already shown that he can keep up with Terry McLaurin. And while we're going to have to cycle through some of those weeks with McLaurin and uh, Curtis Samuel kind of complicating things, you know, I think more often than not, you know, each one of these guys is going to be seeing, you know, five, six, seven targets week to week. And if Lazard does emerge in, in Green Bay as kind of the true commander of uh, red zone, you know, green zone scoring opportunities, which at the, that 6-5 size and the rapport with Rodgers, I think those are just a couple of things that would break ties for me. You really can't go wrong. I'm not going to, 
you know, kick you to the curb or anything, Stephen, if you want to prioritize Dobbs over Dotson. Um, I would definitely prioritize Dobbs over Palmer. Uh, so if that makes it clear, so it'd be a pretty clear one, two, three for me um, in, in the same order that, that Dave mentioned and uh, Carl Ramrod disagreeing with us in the, well, maybe he's agreeing. He says Dobbs over Palmer for sure. Not really offering yeah. his opinion on uh, Dobbs versus Dotson. A couple other wide receiver dilemmas here, Dave donk crypto. And that's a great, uh, that's a great picture there <laughs> of, uh, yeah, of the bear uh, bedazzled bear here. So we've got Devontae Smith or Jerry Judy in the flex PPR. Yeah, I think that uh, my gut instinct would be probably I'd want to go with Smith. We will look at Smith versus Judy, and it looks pretty definitive. Uh, You see a lot more of Smith in the distribution buckets once you get beyond 10 points than you do see Jerry Judy. So better floor, uh, better ceiling. And I think that, uh, you know, that in line aligns with what my intuition would have been and kind of the expectations I would, I would have. So I would, I would go Smith here unless you see differently, Curtis. No, it's, it's really clear to me. And you're also, you know, playing the wide receiver two in the overall better offense for the overall better quarterback. I mean, honestly, everybody, but everybody, but Cortland Sutton in that Broncos passing attack is, is a prove it to me first guy. I mean, Judy had the, the big play in week week one, I think it was, might've been week two. Yeah, I think it was week one. Uh, I had the long touchdown where he, he broke away. And, and beyond that, it's been the Corlin Sutton show. And, um, you know, Russ and that whole offense look pretty broken. I'm going to need a prove it week from Judy before I'd consider playing him over somebody of the caliber of Devonte Smith in the context of the equals offense. He's been held um, under 30 yards since. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty telling man. Yep. Um, Chris Genova, uh, he's got a question, Adam Thielen, DJ Moore and Romeo Dobbs, which two guys would you start? I'm leaning Dobbs and Thielen. So we can do some head to heads and, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's go, um, let's go a cage match here. So we'll do Adam Thielen versus Romeo Dobbs in the tool first. I think it's going to like Thielen. It likes Thielen by 1.1. Uh, and the average of the distribution. Thielen's got a higher ceiling and a higher midpoint and a higher floor. So he's just breaking, you know, all of those ties. Let's see if there's a clear, uh, let's see if there's a clear winner between Thielen and DJ Moore. DJ Moore with a really low end projection. I remember you mentioning it before the the beginning of the show. So to me, this is a start Thielen. We'll, we'll let the GLSP make the decision on that first one. And then I think we're going to have to cut up DJ Moore versus Romeo Dobbs. Yeah, we can definitely do that. And this, this one just, it just pains me to have to talk about, <laughs> about DJ Moore. Uh, I mean, in the it, same it, breath as Dobbs, yeah, it shouldn't be I happening. Mean, it shouldn't be happening. Here's the problem. You can kind of see what's happening with DJ Moore. Uh, just by looking at his distribution this week where there's absolutely no upside only 7% of his matches went for more than 15. And that is what you get when you're playing in an offense that is basically doing everything it can to cap your ceiling, to cap your potential. I'd like to speak better about more here. Sure. It's possible. Uh, yeah. He, you know, puts together a couple more games here, but uh, you know, I think at this point, if I have any type of options that fall into that same range as more in what I would have for a week-to-week expectation, I probably have to roll with them. You know, not many games in the sample here for Dobbs, but there still are players that are putting together games where they're capturing some element of upside. So, you know, unfortunately, uh, we have Joe King here putting in the comments, DJ Moore qualifies as a right tackle, and yeah, he might as well. Whew. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to start DJ Moore over Dobbs. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm going one more, I'm going one more week. Um, you know, we're only in week four. Uh, Carolina does have a, a pretty nice, uh, matchup for more this week. I was over in the NFL stat explorer while you were fumbling around, uh, with this dilemma, uh, on your end, you know, the matchup with Arizona, you know, Carolina, it's, it's a low game total, just, you know, 42 and a half. Carolina, Carolina being a home favorite. When I look at the types of players who have gotten their way, you know, to a reasonably respective, you know, kind of middling wide receiver to production, you know, everyone even dating back to last season, it seems like every offense has been able to get that guy into the, you know, 
six receptions for 60 yards and, um, you know, 12 to 15, you know, PPR outputs. If we look just at, at this season versus the Cardinals and back in week one, Juju went 679 uh, against the squad. Hunter Renfro put up seven uh, for 59. Cooper Cup, four for 44 um, last week. Um, and was uh, all of those players put up at least 12.9 PPR. You know, with the Packers being heavy home favorites against the Patriots, and the Patriots playing a backup quarterback, this sets up as a game that the Packers will just shorten and run the hell out of the ball. So, um, you know, Arizona versus Carolina, to me, that could be a sneaky shootout game. You know, both teams are gross enough. Um, so that's the other thing. There's a chance that this game just goes off of the rails and DJ Moore is part of the solution to the Panthers' problems. I mean, I hate Baker Mayfield as much as anybody, don't get me wrong but I'm going to give more one more week before I'm starting the likes of Romeo Dobbs over him. Hopefully that is definitive enough uh, for you. I think that was Chris. Yeah, that was Chris Genova. And then Chris snuck in another question. It's running back related, but I'll answer real quick. Rashad Penny or Michael Carter this week. I'll go Rashad Penny. I don't care that it's half PPR. That actually makes me feel even more strongly about that. A couple more wide receiver questions. Josh Taylor says, I need to start two of Christian Kirk, Cortland Sutton, and T Higgins. Whew. Yeah, that's a tough, that's a good trio there. That's it's a good trio. Um, let's do another cage match in the GLSP app and see what it's got to say. Uh, who do you want to pit together first, Dave? We'll, get, so, we'll do Christian Kirk. Who's his opponent? Yeah, let's do Kirk and uh, Higgins because th- this is actually going to be a pretty interesting uh, one once we put them both in here. We'll see. Hey, okay, Kirk comes out victorious. He's got a 16.3. Uh, average in his matches versus T Higgins at 15.1 Kirk also sporting the higher 75th percentile uh, in his sample at 20.7 uh, to T Higgins 19.8 and Kirk about 0.8 points higher at the floor 25th percentile projection 10.2 versus Higgins 9.4 so he's a pretty clear victor there let's see how Higgins then stacks up against Sutton <clears throat> That's, yeah. that's what the rule of the game are. Yeah, and Sutton, um, it does not love this ooh. week. It really ooh. it really does not like him. Um, so if we dig in just a little bit on that, I'll just add a couple of notes here to give some context. What you're seeing is that players like Sutton really, really struggle to find the end zone in their matches, which definitely limits upside. And they're also not able to get targeted with the frequency that they normally would. This was something I necess- I wouldn't have expected to really see, but when I start looking through uh, the details, I can see why. So from a GLSP perspective, really, it's not a big fan of uh, Sutton this week. I think that Kirk, you need to have in there between Sutton and Higgins, that might be enough that you go with Higgins. Uh, and I also think, you know, if we're looking at the teams, there's some compelling reasons why we would go towards Higgins. But what do you think, Curtis? Whew. It's pretty it's pretty tough sledding mm-hmm. against these Miami and uh, Vegas secondaries for the wide receiver position so far uh, this year. Of course, it you know, the Miami is just such an interesting case uh, when we're talking about the Higgins matchup. You know, Higgins is going to be at home. You know, they're four-point favorites against the Dolphins. You know, what is Tua's situation going to be, you know, with his health? You know, he had the backslash concussion issue last week. So is he going to be fully right? And it's been all over the board. You know, you had New England as Miami's first opponent. They can't throw the ball against anybody. So, you know, to to look at the Dolphins as a tough matchup just because they played, you know, piss-poor passing offense doesn't really seem fair. And then you've got, you know, Baltimore Ravens again, you know, who pass to the tight end position and you have Lamar Jackson functioning in that offense a little bit of a different way. So it's not surprising that the Baltimore wide receiver core uh, would have graded so lowly against Miami, keeping that PPR output down. They finally play a talented group of wide receivers against Buffalo in week three. And lo and behold, they yield the second most targets to the position, the fourth most receptions to the position in that week, and the seventh most receiving yards to go with a receiving touchdown as well. I think that's going to be a lot more similar to the situation that we'll find for Cincinnati um, this week. When it was Cincinnati being able to post, you know, the combination of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, certainly much more similar to the Buffalo Bills offense than either the Baltimore Ravens or the Patriots. That's going to be enough 
to put me on Higgins over Sutton, um, given that the the Bengals offense has looked uh, much healthier than the Broncos. This is a good trio of wide receivers to have. Kind of stinks to have to sit any of them, but when you got to make tough decisions, you know the data is going to point me towards Higgins here. Yeah, so I, I think that that one. Uh, in this week, at least, uh, you know, can, you can fairly definitively roll there with uh, Kirk and Higgins. We have any other questions, Curtis, that we need to get who get get to here? We, do, we have a couple that are interesting from a flex perspective. I think it'd be good to highlight uh, the value of the GLSP there. We are coming up on an hour for the show, so you can hit Dave and I up on Twitter. We can give you some answers to your starts. It's there. I'm at C Patrick NFL. He's at Dave Cabin F. Uh, but we will get to a couple of the flex dilemmas here real quick before we sign off. This is a this is a real big one. Um, Javier uh, did a three-team trade in a $250 league. It's probably FFPC league. Let me know what you think. I traded away DeAndre Swift, Mike Williams, Deontay Johnson, Daryl Henderson, Jeff Wilson, and Dalton Schultz. Oh, my God. He traded half his team away, Dave. Um, okay, so he traded Swift, Williams, Deontay. Daryl Williams, Jeff Wilson, and Dalton Schultz. He received C.D. Lamb, Michael Pittman, George Kittle, A.G. Dillon, and Cordero Patterson. And this is a dynasty league. So he traded away. Let's, let me rank these players. He traded away Swift, Deontay, and, and Dubs. Swift and, Swift and Deontay and Dubs, those are all probably, if it's a single quarterback league, those are all top 50 assets. No, no other top 50 assets. We got C.D. Lamb, Michael Pittman, George Kittle and AJ Dillon. So three top 50 assets, but two of them are top 24 ish with CD and Michael Pittman. You get Kittle at the tight end position um, who I do like a tick above Dalton Schultz um, still just from a talent uh, perspective. And I like AJ Dillon better than Daryl Henderson or Jeff Wilson. So I'm going to say you won the trade. Uh, both teams. I'm curious that you were able to get that, that deal done. Um, I'm curious that you were able to get that deal done. There's a lot of moving parts there, uh, but I do think you came out ahead. Uh, Joe says at this point, you can't sit Christian Kirk, Russell Wilson tuning into the show tonight. Dave. <laughs> I love it. Uh, not, not busy eating, says, eating some subway. <laughs> no, he's Double not. He looks ready subway to and get in danger somewhere. Okay. He looks ready to play, man. Uh, he looks, he looks ready to play. He says, I'm two and one. Who do I start? Devin Singletary. Uh, Damian Pierce, Travis Etienne, Cam Akers, Chase Edmonds. It's 12-team PPR. Um, I'm going to start. Uh, I, I would have a hard time sitting Damian Pierce against most other running backs right now with how the team's using him. In the GLSP, I mean, the, the ties that it's going to break using Singletary this week, if you remember the, the running back segment earlier in the show, Devin Singletary was the RB4 this week. Um, and, you know, Travis Etienne, does not have the most valuable role there in Jacksonville. Cam Akers' snap share and usage is trending up. Um, Chase Edmonds, you know, the Dolphins seem to be using running backs more just because, like, they're there, but they don't seem to be, like, a real driving uh, uh, facet of the offense right now. I'm going with Singletary and Pierce, though I wouldn't blame you for going Akers over Singletary. Uh, Dave, do you want to break the tie on Singletary versus Akers there as the other running back to start this week? Oh, no, it's Singletary. I don't, I don't think there's really much of a conversation. All right, Russ. Well, I hope your fantasy team uh, performs better than your actual football team. Um, Ed Jimenez says, I'm going against Derrick Henry and Saquon. Oh, okay. Then he says, have Taylor Mixon, James Robinson, and Patterson need to. Um. <laughs> That's a pretty good quartet this early in the season. Wow. Wow. Uh, it's got to be, though, Taylor Mixon, right? Yeah. 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 It it, it, it has to be. Um, I'm not sitting either one of those guys. Yep. Um, but, man, yeah, nice job. Uh, to start your draft with Jonathan Taylor and Joe Mixon, um, is, I'm guessing this is probably a dynasty squad because redraft, or it's like an 18 redraft league. Uh, it seems odd to be able to stack those two players, but then to come back later and whether this was dynasty or whether this was redraft ed to have James Robinson and Cordero Patterson um, as your depth running backs, man, you really, uh, yeah, you ran pure there, man. Uh, Chase Kimball says, do I trade Antonio Gibson for Dobbins or Miles Sanders? 
You know, I think I would trade him for J.K. Dobbins. Um, I don't think you would have dreamed of being able to make that trade a month ago. It's, you know, crazy to think how much things have been a roller coaster for him since the Brian uh, Robinson uh, shooting incident occurred. But, you know, Robinson's trending towards being available very soon. We already know the team prefers him to Gibson. And uh, I, I like Dobbins long-term over Sanders, a couple years younger. I think he's overall more talented. We just need him to get fully healthy. Not going to make Dave answer that. I think he probably agrees with me. Um, I don't see any other urgent questions that have come through. Man, the chat was pretty on fire tonight. Lots of awesome, awesome uh, engagement. We appreciate everybody showing up, sticking with us through the show. Uh, it's really fun to highlight the value of the GLSP. I use this stuff every single week to make my hard start uh, start sit decisions in, in my $250 FFPC leagues too. Uh, whoever that was, it was uh, Javier just like you. That's this one I'm using uh, to help make those tough uh, decisions. So hopefully you guys see the value. We'll be back for week five next Tuesday night. We're going to keep rolling this thing back. Um, we would appreciate if you would subscribe to the road of his YouTube channel, leave us a like and uh, a comment as well. If you got some advice from us that you liked and, you know, maybe helped you win your week last week, or you just liked the fact that we were you know able to engage with you directly, let us know what you think about the show. And if you're listening, and we did something to help you out. We don't ask for reviews on Apple Podcasts often. And that's, you know, my fault. I should be doing that more often. Let us know what you think. You know, we think we're a five-star show. We'd love to see that rating from you on there, along with some feedback. Let us know if there's something that you like that we are doing or you hate that we were doing. And we're going to take your feedback into consideration. Dave, anything you want to add before we sign off here? No, just good luck to everybody. Always great hanging out with everybody here, answering these questions. And uh, we will be back on Thursday where we take a deeper look into some of these matchups using the new passing game matchup Raider tool, which I've been really pleased with uh, how that has been doing in terms of highlighting matchups that are going to be very difficult or very easy. What's up, roto Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.